Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. We're so excited about the feedback we're getting about the show. Our mission in the show is to support, educate, and encourage families by telling adoption stories. So we're thrilled when an agency reaches out to us to tell us, hey, I've got this great story about this family who finalized on a child. And so when the agency was telling me more about this family, I called and reached out to them. And so today we have Brian and Susan on the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having us. So it's really funny because when I called Season, I heard your story. I'm like, this is so great. You guys were just on Channel 7. I will post that link on Facebook. Um, But you guys are getting all this press about this happy, happy story. And so it was wonderful to hear it. And as we're talking... Season says at the very end, you know, we're talking about adoptive families. Yes. And she says, you know, um, I met this one mom and she has this African-American son and this daughter. And the daughter looked, I don't know, Indian little girl. And I was talking to her about where she adopted. And I'm thinking... I think that's me. Wait a second. <laughs> Tell me more about the story. And it ended up, it was me. That's what I had asked you, yes. like, uh, ter- I think I asked you, oh, where did you adopt from? And you said Florida. And I was like, oh, I should have known better. That was a bad question to ask. <laughs> right. They weren't international, but it was just funny to me that you guys had approached us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talked to you for, what, an hour beforehand, and I thought you were a stranger. Uh. And then all of a sudden we know each other and you guys had approached us, my husband and I, and said, hey, we want to start the process. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And so I just think, wow, God's hand is in this like full circle. Now you're here. Who would have known I would be doing a show on adoption and who would have known you guys would have finalized and somebody else brought us t- back yes. together. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I'm very excited and honored to have you here and tell your adoption story. So let's start at the very beginning. You have three biological children? Yes, we do. Okay. We have, uh, twins that are nine um, and then a four and a half year old and then we just adopted Abby. Okay so you have twins and in your story it's so cool because I mean it's not cool what you went through but the way God worked it out the twins were born early correct? Mm-hmm. Yes so the twins were born um, at 20 well it's 29 weeks so it's like 28 and four days I always have to add the four days <laughs> like I made it four more days um, but yeah they were born preemie and they were in the hospital for um, like seven weeks when they were born so we had like we camped out at the hospital in the NICU for like seven weeks and it was terrifying because um, it was our first experience being parents Um and so I think at the time we were kind of like, God, what in the world? Why are we doing this? Why were they early? Didn't understand. Um, and then kind of came full circle to um, when they called us about Abby, um, they said, okay, we have this preemie baby who's in the hospital. And I said, okay. And they were like, but she's really, really sick. And I said, okay. And they said, well, she could be, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, she could be blind. She might be deaf. Um, She had a grade four brain bleed, um, which is pretty significant. um, And we don't know what that means. She may never walk. She may never talk. Um, And I said, okay. (laughs) I think the agency lady thought I was crazy. She was like, "Are are you sure? And I said, can I go visit today? And she said, today? And I was like, yeah, I'm serious. Where is she? Um, And we showed up that night at the hospital. Um, And it was really cool because when we... Um, when they handed her to me in the hospital, there was just this wave of redemption over mm-hmm. our twins. You know, like of it made like, sense it why made sense. you had gone through everything else yeah. to prepare you for yeah. this. Let's back the story up a little bit. You have three kids. Why did you want to adopt? 
Do you want to answer that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know when was it. It was a while ago. Um, right after Micah was born. So yeah. Third. Yeah. And I went to uh, New Life Church down in Colorado Springs, had a Life of Justice conference. Mm-hmm. So I went down there and um, just, they had, I went to one seminar where they talked about adoption and it was like, okay, this is like, this is what we need to do. You know, it was just very clear, like God's heart for adoption is huge. You know, I mean, all the way from we're adopted into God's family to mm-hmm. Jesus was adopted by Joseph. You know, if you look mm-hmm. at it, I mean, every adoption is just sown all throughout the Bible, you know, and we kind of came to this, this place where we're like, okay, there's, I mean, however many millions, what is the number? 53 million orphans yeah, in the orphans world. Orphans in the world, and we have to do something about it. You know, we can't save them all, but we got to do something. Right. You know, and they're so, um, you know, you look at what we have and what others don't, and you go, well, we have room in our family. We have extra beds. We can go buy a bed. We can go, we mm-hmm. have plenty of love. We have everything to bring more kids in. You know, why not? You know, it's, it was just kind of this, like, like I, I don't know that we could do it without, um, it was kind of like a why we we have no reason that we shouldn't do exactly. this. Like we yeah. have, we right. have the means everything. and we can exactly. do what God wants us we to, do. to do. Yeah, we so do we're going to just answer the call to like there's something that needs to yeah. be done about this, so we will. So I just came back to season. I was like, I think we like we don't have, we don't really have a choice. We got to do it, you know. And so that's kind of how we started down that journey. I love when it's the dads who say it first, you know, I mean, because women are, our hearts are like, we'll take all the babies. We want all the babies. We'll adopt everyone. And it's very easy for us a lot of times to, um, to really put ourselves out there and want to bring a child home that is not genetically ours. And so when the dad first comes, you know, to the wife and says, I think we're supposed to do that, how powerful it is, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's, it can be harder for a father to connect to a child that's not genetically there's now that's just you know a, mm-hmm. a broad thing to say it's not always like that but that is really special that he came to you and were you like okay yeah I was it was kind of something that I had always kind of wanted to do but it had kind of been one of those like I don't know if we'll ever actually do that you know um and so then when he was like I think we're supposed to adopt I was like yeah we are okay well, <laughs> right? let's do that <laughs> how old is Micah at this time your youngest so Micah's four and a half now he wasn't quite a year because when we originally started, we were trying to go through China and I remember he had to be mm-hmm. a year old. So it was like weird with our dossier and stuff. Um, cause he had to be a year. So he, yeah, it was before he turned a year old that we were like, okay, we're supposed to add more kids mm-hmm. to our family and this is how we're doing it. So you said you started wanting to go to China. Why did you choose to foster care? So that was interesting too. Um, so we, but first, there's a there's a program that um, through CCAI said yes. it yeah mm-hmm. um, that they they have like a special basically it's kids with special needs and that doesn't mean um, it's more like physical needs so mm-hmm. cleft lip palate um, things like that where where kids are just kind of discarded in the streets or you know many places and so they had a program where they were um, you're trying to adopt a child who doesn't maybe have these special needs through China it could take up to five years well, this is kind of an expedited program so we were like. You know, hospitals don't really scare us. Um, you know, going way back in our story, after we got married, I was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh Went through a um, bone marrow, ke- bunch of chemo, bone marrow transplant, and was in remission. Um, so then we've also done the preemie thing in the hospital, and we were like, well, medical medical things just don't scare us. We kind of spent most of our married life in the married hospitals. Life, yeah, in hospitals. You know, between my my stuff, my medical background, and then with the twins, and so we were like, all right, well. 
you know, Piff Lap and Palette, you know, it's kind of the same thing. We have, we have good insurance. We have all these things, you know, like we can take care of kids, you know, who need these, these um, things to be fixed and, and help. And so. And then I had a dream. Oh, I love yes. this. You know, this yes. is a resounding theme in these last couple shows, huh, Matt, that women have had dreams in the process that told them that it was going to be okay or share your dream. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I had this dream one night we were waiting and waiting. We'd been waited for almost a year. Um, and I had a dream that we, it was kind of a strange dream. We had like gone out to a movie with friends. And then when we were getting ready to leave, they were like, Oh, we have to go pick up our baby. And I was like, I didn't know you had a baby. And they're like, Oh, we're just fostering. And so we went and picked this baby up from like wherever the childcare was at the movie theater which is weird <laughs> um, and and they said um it, it was abby it was it looked just like abby and um and i said uh oh are you gonna adopt her and they said no she'll be legally free on and it was funny it was like february there was a date it was like february 12th i think um in my dream and um and she'll be legally free. And so you guys should check out and see if you want to adopt her because they knew we were trying to adopt. And so I woke up from the dream. And actually, he handed her to me. And I took her and she laid her head on my chest and I held her. And then we went to get in their car. They didn't have a car seat. So I held her in the car, which is like the weirdest part. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a dream. Um, but I woke up and I said to Brian, I think it was like February 5th when I had the dream. And I was like, we have like six days to find her. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. like we have to find her and she's coming through foster care. So we're supposed to switch. I love that. Um, I just love the way that God speaks mm -hmm. to us and really just motivates us to do the right thing. You know, in the path of following God, you wonder, how is it going to work out? I want to do this. And, and how is it going to all? I, I, and you try to think it through and you can't even imagine how he's going to yes. keep pushing you forward. And so you know what you're supposed to do at the right time. The right time. And so maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, I want to do it, but I don't know how it would work. If you keep trusting God and keep praying, he will lead you. And he'll. And we have story after story. I mean, families doing international adoption and they're, they're stranded in the Ukraine. We had a great story. Mm -hmm. And she was stranded out there. And then she tells a story about like, literally, she believes angels in, in human form, like helping her along the way to get out of the country. And so it's very cool to be part of adoption yes. and to see how kind of like God unrolls everything and yeah. reveals what you're supposed to do. And I mentioned Matt. Matt is our producer. So if you're listening, you're like, wait, I thought his name was Brian. Why is she calling him Matt? I'm talking to my producer. But it is cool if you listen to every show where you can see dreams and people. And I mean, I just love this show. It's just exciting awesome. and, really and it really see. encouraged me because I am also a dreamer. I have dreams and, and follow them a lot. I tell my husband and when we were first married, he was like, what, are we going to follow all these dreams? <laughs> I know. <laughs> going to have dreams of shopping or, I mean, like, what, you know, but you know when it's a God dream. Yes. It's totally different than like you ate a lot of pizza the night before. Yes. So you have this dream, you know, it's foster care. So you started your home study. We, so that was in, so that was February and then we were sort of stubborn for a while. Um, and I was like, no, we're still supposed to go through China. So it took us a little while. So from February, it took us till August to finally like get on board with God and be like, oh no, like you really did say foster care. We're supposed right. to do this. We were enrolled in that China, uh, that program to go through China and nothing was happening. And we we're just like, okay, you know, finally after a while, like, okay, God, fine. We'll switch. We'll switch. You know, we got we're it now. To, <laughs> like zero is happening. We're supposed to yeah. switch. So we did. And we started our home study. Um, and that took a little while um, to what, do our home study. How do you do that? Do you call Douglas County or... So you we call? called, we actually got on with the programs through Nightlight Christian Adoptions. Okay. Um, because we were, um, and truth be told, 
we were really terrified of foster care, I think, in our minds. And I don't really know why, other than I think we just had something in our mind of like, you know, we have kids that are, you know, really traumatized and have huge issues. And, and so it it sounded really scary to do that, frankly. And I don't know why it sounded more scary than going to China. Um, but it did. And so, um, I called Nightlight Christian and I said, okay, I'm afraid. (laughs) I don't know what to do, but we're supposed to do foster care. And, um, and so I talked to a woman there and she was so kind and so sweet. And she just kind of walked us through the process and they have a really cool program there. Um, so it's foster to adopt, um, which is a little different than what the state does. So the state is very, um, they're, they're overloaded and they need kids in homes and they need kids mm-hmm. in good homes. So they're going to call, you know, we wanted a child under Micah's age. So at the time he was three. So we wanted a really young child. Um, and the state kind of told us, well, if you're not willing to take like a 10 year old, you shouldn't even try, you know? And we were like, I don't even know what to do with that information. And so when I called nightlight, she said, Oh no, like we totally have kids that, you know, come into foster care, um, through these means. And there are a certain number of children that when social workers look at their story, they kind of say, okay, yes, mom is going to have, you know, multiple chances to try to get their child back or, or to do what needs to be done in order for this to be a safe environment for their child. But they've done this long enough that they kind of look at it and go, this seems really unlikely that mm-hmm. this will maybe ever happen. And in those cases, if we can put them in a foster to adopt placement, that means that's one less move for this child. Mm-hmm. That if they're automatically in a foster to adopt placement, then if it does go that way and rights get terminated, they stay with you and they don't ever go somewhere else. You are mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was really appealing to us to say, yeah, because our goal here isn't um, – just to care for kids and then have them go again. Our goal is truly to adopt and bring a child into our family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they said, yeah, we have a program for that. And you can say, yeah, we want a child under the age of three and we will honor that. And they totally did. We never got a call um, for a child. We we said we wanted a girl. We never got a call for a boy. We never got a call for um, a child over the age of three. They were really honored, really what we said we wanted. Um, And that was, and we took what, five calls before mm-hmm. Abby, four calls um, of different kids. And, and every one of them, we said, yes, okay, we'll take them. And then something would happen. Oh, we found grandma or we found an aunt or we found someone who would take them. You just brought up a lot of really good points. So adoption can feel scary, but one of the ways that you can eliminate that fear is to know what you and your husband or you and your wife can handle. And you put that on paper and you say, this is what we feel God is calling us to do. And staying in those boundaries is really important. Yes. Because when you get a call, if you're just going through foster care and they say, oh, we have this or we have that. And even us with private infant adoption, we were made to feel like we couldn't say no to anything. Mm. You know, I mean, medical needs, whatever. I mean, don't you want a baby? Right. And if you feel that way in your agency now, I would say... Step back yes. a little bit and just think it through because you should never feel like you're against the wall and you're pressured to do something or shamed into do something. You know, you you can't take that child. You should never feel shame. Um, you should feel empowered, yes. and you should feel like you have some sort of decision mm-hmm. that's in your court, right? Yes. You should feel a little bit in control because you're taking this child. I mean, this is not like mm-hmm. you're pregnant and you have a situation. This is you're making a choice, mm-hmm. and so. I just want to say that I think some people need to hear that you have a choice and you can say yes and you can say no. You have to stick with those boundaries. But what I liked about what you said when and I talked to Nightlight as well is I said, why would somebody hire you? I mean, 
Really? You can go through the state and pay nothing. Why would somebody pay, I think she said, $6,000? Right. Why would somebody pay you? And just that. She said, we're going to be an advocate for you. Mm-hmm. We're not going to call you on things that you have said you aren't willing to do. Um, we also don't have to stay in your county. Right. So yes, they could yeah. go all over Colorado and three other states, right? I think, I think so. three I think or five. Right. Yeah. There was a, quite a few other mm-hmm. states that they could go to. That was very appealing to mm-hmm. me. It was really cool. And the, the, the potential there is travel, um, you know, that there's a little bit of, and depending on the age of the child, that would sometimes mean like going multiple times um, to visit and, and see them and get to know them. And then um, because it's, especially with older kids, it's really hard to just pull them from wherever they're at and be like, oh, guess what? This is your new home. Here you go. Right. Um, so there's a lot of visitation that can happen with babies. That's not really the case. But um, so there was potential for travel there as well of like, okay, if there's a child and I can't remember the states, Ohio, I don't anyway, there's like five or six, but it was really nice that you had choices. We had choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's an advocate for you. Mm-hmm. And so when you've hired somebody to be your advocate, it's totally different than hoping that the state will defend you or that you're trying to say, you know, this is what's happening at home and paperwork is all over the place. Um, and this is from what you're saying. Of course, I cannot promote any agencies, but from what you're saying, and I talked to her as well, the goal is to really, really make sure you grow your family and not have kids bounce around in this particular program. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was really nice because even our social worker, it's interesting because when you, it, it is an interesting process when you do it this way, because we had multiple then multiple social workers involved. So Abby had her social worker through the state and then we had our social worker, Megan through nightlight. Um, and then the guardian at light And I mean, there's, you know, this whole team of people that you just get to know really well. Um, and, but it was really interesting because Abby's social worker said later, funny, after her adoption, she said, I knew right away. I knew when when I got the call on this that this is kind of where this would go. And she's like, just gut instinct was like, and and the first call she made was to Nightlight because she's like, I knew they had a foster to adopt program. And she was like, I need a foster to adopt family. And I was like, that is so cool that there is there are programs out there for this specifically. Right. Otherwise, what would have happened is she would have gone in foster care and then she could have bounced right. multiple times um, before she would have found you know, of an adoptive family. And so just knowing that, that like she doesn't know anything but us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. It's that so is great. awesome. You know, also the $6,000, we talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know if that's the exact price. I just know it was, it's about was that. Like about okay. that. she reminded me too, is that there is that, um, tax credit. Yes, the tax credit. So you actually really don't, you actually end up paying nothing. Right. Yeah. In, in the, the end, end, you end up getting Mm-hmm. all of it back. And it was really nice because even though it was $6,000, that was over the course of what, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was, it was all like one chunk at yeah, one time. So it was like thing. a little bit here, a little bit there. So it wasn't like we had to just have $6,000 sitting in the bank to okay. be like, Oh, we're going to write you a check. You know, right. it was each, each part of the process, the home study was a certain amount and then placement was a certain amount. And then, you know, now when you go through the state, you get money per month. Mm-hmm. Did you get that? We did. Oh, you did? Because of Abby and because of her medical need, we got a stipend for her that was pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Um, We got 
what was it, almost a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. for her medical needs. And oh my so, goodness! So you you get that. We got that on top of, and, but and then you're paying some, text. and we'll also someone. get the tax credit. Yep. I mean, this is the first time I've interviewed a family that went through an okay. agency to do foster care. Usually, yeah. it's they might uh, get a second party to do their training, mm-hmm. but they still go through the state. And so, to What's me, really... I'm like really interested in it, you know, because as a growing family, mm-hmm. you want to keep the child. Mm-hmm. Now, there are people out there who are who just say, "I love foster care." We. Right. This is what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily want to adopt, but a family like yours and like mine, we want the child to stay with us. We don't want our kids to be like, "Where is the baby?" You know, we don't want. We can't do that loss right now. Uh, maybe later on. And so, sounds like this is a little bit safer. It is. Yeah. What's really neat about Nightlight too is most people didn't know anything about foster care, and they were really good about um, their whole program is preparing you for everything that's coming up too. So they, um, they put us through lots of training. I mean, I don't even know how many hours of training we had to go through, books we had to read, all these things to at least like, okay, give us some sort of idea of what to expect and what, um, what was coming up. So that was really good. But to speak back to the, to the money side of things, I mean, as guys, all we think about is dollar signs, everything, you know, is dollar signs. Mm -hmm. And so to come, that was one of our biggest things with, with, uh, we were looking at China. It was like, how in the world are we going to afford this? We know we're supposed to, so God will provide, but what are we going to do? And then even when we got in the foster to adopt program through Nightlight, we had no idea um, how we we're going to afford that either, to be honest. And it was just cool how you could see God providing. I mean, it's, that's the one, one really good thing that um, foster care system does is provide that stipend. To, and there was a lot of, lot of things we had to buy, you know, out of pocket for her, you know, but it just provides for all the um, baby stuff that we needed right, to get, right. diapers, um, formula, all that kind of stuff. Um, it was just really cool to see how God used that to provide and essentially just completely pay for our adoption. That is so, so awesome. Yeah, we it was incredible. Take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about when you actually bring the baby home and what that was like. And you had her for a year and a half before you finalized. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670kltt.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Encouraging patriotism for America and devotion to Jesus Christ, this is your Crawford Broadcasting Station, the Mighty 670 KLT. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to Brian and Season. They adopted through the foster care system, but they went a different way. They actually adopted through an agency. And so we've been talking a little bit about the differences if you just call you know, your county versus going through an agency. So you get this call, several calls, and babies keep falling through, but you finally get the call that this child is in the hospital and very sick. Now, we talked a little bit about, in the first segment, you guys had been through this a lot. You had been sick, Brian. Um, you had babies, twin babies that were born early. And so you guys kind of know the the road yes. to this, you know, <laughs> medically sick baby. And so you say yes, and then what? 
uh, we said yes. And I said, when can I visit? And she said, I said, can I go today? And she said, uh, today. And I was like, uh, yeah, like I would already be there if you'd let me know where she's at. So uh, we dropped all our kids off at uh, grandma and grandpa's and we were down at the hospital within a couple hours. Um, and we walked in and it, it's funny. NICUs are very, if you've ever experienced a NICU, like we, you know, not, almost nine years later, we walked in and I was like, it smells exactly mm-hmm. the same. Um, and it just took me right back to what that was like. Um, and so we came in and introduced ourselves to the nurses and said, we're here to, we're here to see our baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they walked us back and, uh, were they nice to you? They were so Very sweet. Nice. They oh, were good. so kind. And they were actually, it was really funny because, um, you know, she had been there alone, um, for almost four months. She was almost four months old by the time they called us. Goodness. And that part of it kind of breaks my heart if I think too much about her being alone there. Um, but the nurses, had kind of fallen in love with her, you know? And so when we got there, they said, we're so glad you're here. We're just, they just loved us. You know, they were like, I can't believe you're here. We're so glad. Cause we had Call all kind of, yeah, they, they did. They did. They called like, us mom, mom and dad. Who's your dad. Yeah. Um, oh they were gosh. so kind. And, and they kind of said, we had, they had all started kind of talking like, okay, if, if nobody comes for this baby, who's going to take this baby home? Cause but one of the nurses, yeah, right. they all kind of had <laughs> fallen in love with her. And so they were just overjoyed that we were there and they treated us from the moment that we got there like we were her parents um and so they did everything that you would in the NICU uh like they let you take home little blankets and sleep with them so that it smells like us and then we would take them back so that she could smell us and they'd swaddle her up um in the blankets we brought in and so we visited every day um that was quite a juggling act um driving from uh down south all the way up to Denver every day to see her um for a month. So we visited pretty much the month of June, um, every day. Um, and father's day, her, um, grandfather, Mm -hmm. I think was visiting. And so I, I waited in the waiting room for a while for him to get to see her, um, before I could go in and see her. And they were, they were all concerned about me. Like, are you okay? And I was like, this is her grandpa. Like he needs to be able to see her on father's day. It's okay. Um, so we did that. And then July 1st of 2015, we brought her home. So they were like, okay, she's ready to go, which was terrifying because she was still on oxygen. Wait, how long was she in the hospital? So she was born in March. March. And we brought her home July 1st. And when did you get called? About mid-May. May, I yep. think mid-May okay. we oh, got called. Oh, so you guys spent a long time visiting her. Visiting her. Was she early? Do you she know? Was, yeah, so she was born at 27 weeks. She was uh, 950 grams when she was born. What? So it's like two pounds, like just barely two pounds when she was born. Um, she had a hole in her heart. So they did a, uh, before we ever got there, she had had an open heart surgery and they did surgery on her heart. She was just a fighter. And they kind of told us all the way along, they're like, we just didn't, we didn't expect her to live. Actually, her guardian at Lightham said the night she was born, they called her in um, and they asked her to sign a, D- a DNR uh, do not resuscitate order on her. And she was like, I don't know what to do. I've never been asked to do this on a child. So she panicked and called all over the country uh, looking for somebody to tell her what to do. She found a neonatologist in Chicago who said, get me a brain scan and I'll tell you if you should sign that. And so she went back to the hospital and said, we want a brain scan. And they said, she won't survive it. If we get, if we do it, she won't survive it. And she said that I'm not signing anything. And so from what we can tell on her medical records, they resuscitated her three times. Oh my goodness. If she would have signed that, <laughs> she wouldn't be they here. Let her go. Yeah. I literally, I was like, I looked at her and in tears, I was like, thank you for saving our baby. Yeah. Um, because I can't even imagine being put in that place. Right. Having mm-hmm. to say that. And then doctors just said to us over and over, we just, we didn't really didn't think she'd survive. She had a severe E. coli infection. Um, when she was born, 
Um, so that she just kind of had this mountain everything against her. of everything mm-hmm. against her, you know? And so they just kept saying to us, we'd have meetings in the hospital with all of her doctors, you know, OT and PT. And it just went on and on and on. And, um, they would all say, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know if she'll walk. We don't know if she'll talk. We don't know if she'll be blind. We don't know mm-hmm. if she'll be deaf. Um, and we just kept showing up and praying and praying and praying. And, and one day actually I was driving from the hospital home and I was crying and I'm praying, you know, like to God, like, what am I going to do? And is she going to be okay? And please heal her. And, and, and I just had this moment where he was like, she's fine. Mm. Like, if you want to keep praying, you can keep praying. Cause I'll listen, but like, she's fine. So just let her be fine. And so I kind of just relaxed. I was like, okay, she's fine. Let's just, she just has to be fine. So when they said she can come home, she was still on oxygen and a pulse ox machine, which was super fun. So for the first like two months, we just carried around like all this oxygen and tanks and oxygen and the machine and the like we were plugged into the wall and it was it was kind of a thing. So this um, was probably more intense than what you had been through. For sure. It definitely was. Yeah. Before. I mean, even though you had some experience, this one was like, whoa. This was definitely a like, OK, this is a lot to bring home a baby. It's more fragile and more. Yeah. Just had more things we had to attend to. So, yeah. And now was mom involved? <clears throat> At that point, she was not. She hadn't been allowed to visit in the hospital. Um, And as soon as we brought her home, so um, when she, because the hospital kind of has their own set of rules and they can make their own rules. Um, But as soon as she came home to our house, then then the process of reunification begins um, in foster care of the social worker. Her goal is to reunify her with mom. You know, it's so hard to hear that. Yeah. And and Hard. when the, she said it to me the first time, because we were in foster care and the mom had come back and it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. And she said, in, she said this to me, for us, an adoption is a failure on our part. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that made my head spin. Yeah. Like, yes. wait a second. No. And the mom was very abusive to this little boy that we were trying to adopt. And so it just, I couldn't even wrap my head around that. Yes. You know, it but you just strange. have to... Ignore that and keep going. Hard. Yeah, you yes. do have to kind of just kind of say, okay, so there'd be certain things she would say, and I would think, okay, it's not me against you. Like, I get that your job is this. You right. have to focus on that. Your job is to reunify this baby with mom. So then they started the process of like, okay, we need to set up visitation, and she needs to see the baby, and um, we need to do those things. So we did do one visitation at the state up at uh, Jefferson County, um, and they're great there. They have a whole system in place. You show up, and you give them your driver's license, and they have rooms for you and how um, old was the baby she was like just probably six months at that point six months old yeah months about because it was about there. august yeah. um and she was tiny still i mean she was only like right. six pounds oh my goodness and still on oxygen and um so they they made an exception for us they opened the building early because they were really worried about her getting sick um so they opened the building early and we had to come in and they sanitized the room before we all went in. And it was like a whole big ordeal. And we got to meet mom, which was really nice. Um, we did get to meet her and they introduced us to her and we got to shake her hand. And then, you know, then they take, they take the baby and I was dying, you know, like you're taking my baby, which is a weird feeling when you're standing in a room Mm -hmm. with a woman who gave birth to her. And I'm, and my feeling was you're taking my baby away from Mm -hmm. me. Um, so it's a strange, it's a really strange place to walk in. And like, you have, you feel so bad for her. Yes. yes. But you feel so protective of the of baby. The baby at the same time. And it's just such yeah. a, it's a very weird feeling. I, I, unless you're in it, you really can't understand it. But I mean, we've been there several times and mm-hmm. watching them hold the baby that you have given up your life for. Yes. 
um, and you want to stay with you forever, it's just like, mm-hmm. God, please give me grace because I am going to either ball my eyes out or like, I, like it's just hard to, it's it is a lot happening in the room. Yeah. Yes. It's a weird place to stand in and be like, okay, she's not, she's mine and not mine at the same time and yours and not yours at the same time. It's right. just very strange. So they took her and did the visitation. And um, when we came out, she said, we, we, there's this tiny little hallway that we kind of got caught in together. And I didn't know what to say. And I said, she's beautiful, isn't she? And she said, yeah, she is. And then she said, she looked at me and she got tears in her eyes. And she said, thank you for taking care of her while I can't. And then I started to cry because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like we'll do our best, our very best. Um, and that was the only visitation we ever had because really? shortly after that, um, she had a lot of mental illness. So shortly after that, she contacted social workers and I don't know what all was said or what happened, um, but we were then told that they didn't feel like it was a safe, it wasn't safe for her to to have visitation with her any longer. So they terminated visitation. Is that why she was removed? I mean, how do they remove a mom at 27 weeks? You don't even know if she's going to be abusive yet, unless there's like, she has a drug problem. She definitely significant mental illness. So um, all we know when she came into the hospital, they said having a psychotic episode. Um, and, and mom went on uh, like a 72 hour psych hold after Abby was born. So mom went to the hospital and Abby went into the NICU. Um, and so they were separated kind of from the get go. And then the hospital staff had the right to say, we don't feel like this is safe. Um, so that's why she didn't ever visit in the hospital or see her in the hospital either. So it was all psychotic. It wasn't drug induced. And do you know why she gave birth so early? I don't know. I just, she, you know, I'm like, she, they said she was having a psychotic episodes. So I'm like, I have no idea. And they, it's funny because we only have access to medical records, not, um, whatever, like police records. Right. So right. I'm not entirely sure. There's so many of those things that happen that you're like, I don't, there's just gaps. Right. Trying to story. piece things together. I mean, even when we showed up in the hospital here in Denver for our son, um, they told us so many different things about his birth. Like yeah. One set of, and this is medical records. One said natural birth. The other said that she had a C-section. And we, I mean, like, we have all that paperwork. We're like, we don't know. And then she was gone within 24 hours. So if she really did have a C-section, could, would they release her? Did she just, le- you know, you're trying to piece us yes, because you don't, can't talk to them together. and you don't have all that information, which is something in adoption that you just have to be okay with. Yeah. You just have to, at some point be like, I'll never have an answer to that. Um, so to some degree. And, and there was a little bit of relief, I think, when it was like, okay, visitation has been terminated. One, because we don't have to drive, you know, right. to do visitation weekly, which is, was really, really nice. And we kind of got off scot-free on that one. Um, and there was no other family. Like you said, the grandfather came to visit. Grandpa there was no other visit. family that was saying, um, uh, we'll take the baby. There was a maternal grandma was involved, too, and visited her in the hospital. And um, there was a little bit of a question for a, a little while there of, about whether or not grandma wanted to try um, and do a home study and try to try to get her. Um, Were you sweating at that point? No. It was, so that was kind of before we ended up visiting her. So we kind of got a call like the beginning okay. of May and then they kind of, there was this question of like, is grandma going to take her? And then when they finally called us, they were like, no, she's decided she's not going to. Um, and we did get to meet her at, right before Abby's adoption finalized. We got to meet grandma and she said, this was the hardest choice I had ever made mm-hmm. in my whole life to say, I can't do this. But I feel that when they see you. She was so grateful. She was too. so grateful. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they actually see their child, their grandchild 
is in a family yes. and she's going to be loved. You know, I she think she was that so excited. She was like, she came in and was like, I'm so thankful for you. I just have been praying for you guys. Aww. And it was really sweet to know that. And I think she just wanted to meet us. She just wanted that peace of mind of like, I just needed to meet you and know that she's okay. Okay. So why did it take a year and a half to finalize? The process is long. Um, so because the, because the goal is reunification, um, there's a certain amount of time uh, that birth parents get um, for that um, to try to either rectify, you know, whatever the circumstances are that got a child removed, they can try to rectify those circumstances sometimes. And so... So they put together a treatment plan basically for, for birth parents, mom or dad, just mom in this case. Where was so, dad? You didn't know. Never, yeah, never found, name. yeah, okay. never found who that was. And so, um, they put so, yeah. together a plan saying like, this is what you need to do. These are the things that need to happen. Um, but a and year in, and a half, that's a long plan. So the state of Colorado, they just passed, I think it was like last year, they had just passed a law that a child that enters the, the system in the foster care system that's under the age of three, they have one year. Um, mom, um, birth parents have one year to try okay. to get their child back. Um, and that's to stop like, Oh, I tried and I keep like, I'm trying and then not trying and trying and then right, not trying that this was goes happening. On for five or six years. Yes. So that's to stop that. Cause oh, they're really young. Um, so she, we knew going into it, we had a year. Um, and that was a year from when we started visitation. Um, and then depending on how that process goes, if she was trying and showing up to visitation and, and really trying to get, you know, drug testing and all of the things that they put in place for them to do, um, then that keeps going. Um, if that doesn't happen and they're not showing up and they're not doing what they need to be doing, then very quickly, um, cause there's a court date every 90 days. Um, and then at those court dates, the judge would say, okay, either you're trying and then this is the next step in the plan or you're not trying. And then we're getting closer and closer to termination. Um, and we actually moved through that process really quickly. Like they were like, this was probably, one of the shorter ones that we've ever done. Do you think that was because you worked with an agency? I don't think so. I think it was more had to do with mom not trying. I've heard of families that have decided to do foster to adopt and they've placed them with children that the state has not yet decided if it's going to really be a termination of rights. And so they go through this long process. Do you think that Nightlight weeds that out and says, no, this really is a child that the state really feels is going to be adoptable? I think they do to some degree. They were very honest with us at the very beginning because there are children that are much closer to being legally free. Um, and they did say to us with Abby, they're like, okay, here's the deal. Like she is really far. Like, oh, good. We're way, way, way away from legally free. So this is a legal risk placement. Like there is no guarantee that you will keep this baby. And so oh, I'm like, I have, that, yeah. that part was hard. It was just this process of like, I'm simultaneously praying that mom would be healed and get better and that she would find Jesus and, and get healing. And at the same time praying, like, don't ever take this baby away from right. me. She's mine. And it's a weird thing to hold both of, of wanting to honor her and who she is and, and who she is for Abby. Um, and then being like, if you ever get healthy and take my baby, I think I might fall into a heap and never recover from this ever right. again. Um, and so we knew going into it that it was very risky what we were doing. Okay. So they um, were upfront with you. They and were you, very you said yes, even though you and we knew. said yes. We knew that this was, and, and there was kind of this point of like, 
is this going to be okay? Is she going to get her back? You know, and and it it became very clear very quickly with Abby that that wasn't going to happen because we, I mean, we got her in July and by February her rights were completely ter- mom's rights were completely terminated. Okay, so you were just at that point waiting for the state to kind of yes. wrap up. Which and- is so process. then from yeah, because yeah, it's so basically from- yeah, all the paperwork going through and everything uh, and it went to the bottom of the right. stick, the <laughs> right. stack, and then the judge has to go through you know and so right. get schedule because it feels dates. like it should be much faster than that. It feels I mean, like it, yeah, but there's. So many cases now. Yeah, (laughs) like even our even Abby's social worker said she had like what was it thirty thirty five thirty five kids that she was working on at any at the same time, and so she has to visit every kid once a month, plus do all the paperwork and the court dates. I mean, there's a lot that um, she's right. So it's not like it takes that long. It's just there's 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 so many kids in the system that they have to right. And that's the thing you have to think about. If you are considering adoption and you want a fast court date, then you want to do infant domestic adoption because at that point in in Colorado, you can finalize in six months. Um, We went to Florida, and I know Utah's like this as well. You finalize in three months. So we chose to to do that because we couldn't wait. I just couldn't even fathom losing my children and uh, another parent coming in or a grandma. But... On the other hand, it was super expensive. I mean, traveling was a lot of stress, waiting for all that paperwork. So you really have to weigh out all your odds and and really decide what's right for your family. The thing I like about what you guys went through is just how the agency was there for you. And some people feel like they didn't have an advocate. They don't have anybody. They just have the state saying, well, we're trying to reunify. And they kind of feel alone. And so you have this agency that you can call and you can say, hey, can you help me through this? Or I'm struggling. And they can Mm -hmm. really walk you through and continue counseling you. Yes, you do pay, but you get that money back in the tax credit. You still get a stipend per month from Mm -hmm. the state. And your child, even though you finalized, is on Medicaid till they're 21. Yes. So that's, I mean, that's a huge Huge. benefit. So even though you had to wait a while um, and it was stressful, I mean, all in all, you didn't pay any money and you got this brand new baby. Yes. Mm -hmm. How is she doing now? She's awesome. She's amazing. She's uh, kind of everything they said she couldn't do, she does. Um, Everything that we worried about, she has overcome. She wears glasses, which is super cute. Um, so cute. I'm going to post pictures <laughs> and I'm going to post the video of you guys yeah. telling your story so you can see your family. And it, yes. it's obvious that your children are in love with her. They absolutely love her. This is, And that was one of our concerns when we started of like, how will this affect our biological kids? You know, will this feel like something that we did to them? Um, and they're so cute. They like absolutely love her. Another day, her overheard my son say they were talking about future. They were talking about like college and whatever. And, and then he said, well, when I adopt... And I thought, okay, Aww. there it is. Like, there's the heart. Yeah. Of part of why we did what we're doing because mm-hmm. it changed your heart along with ours. It's so amazing. Thank you too for coming mm-hmm. on and sharing your story. Yay. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, 
visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.